I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to 100% Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation this country's ever put together, the 100% Hits music compilation. Today we're talking Volume 13, Side A, and I, and this person, we're, we're men of our words, because we said we'd be back for this one, and we're back. Please welcome, it's Andrew Levins, everyone, yay! Yeah, I mean, it's not really that surprising that you're back for this one, is it? Well, no, but I, I did say I'll have you back on. <laughs> That's true. I and you said you want to be back hurt. on, yes. Yeah, I would have been deeply hurt if you did this with, for someone else. This is uh, 100% Hits Volume 13, which is the first CD I ever bought. That is amazing. I half bought it. My mum and I went halves because there's a song on this album that was she just needed in her collection. And yep. because of that, she was willing to cough up, like it was like $14.50 of her own money to put with my pocket money. And uh, that's, this is yeah, the history. You know, I'm in the music industry, been in it for years. And it all begins here. I mean, technically it all begins with River of Dreams by Billy Joel, the, yep. the first city I was given. But it's, you know, it's more about the, 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 what you put back into the industry. And the first time I put back into the industry was $14.50 towards 100% Hits Volume 13. Do you remember the uh, record store you bought it from? Uh, I'm sure it was like... It was either a department store. It was definitely at Hornsby uh, in New South Wales. And it yep. was either like a Brashes or it would have been maybe a Grace Brothers um, audio section. Nice. We had a Brashes. Then that got bought out by Sanity in Burnie. Mm-hmm. I remember spending many, many an afternoon after school going into Sanity and just looking at the cashiers there and them knowing he's not going to buy anything. He's just going <laughs> to look through all the CDs we have. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I mean... I know no one would listen to it, but I could do hours and hours of podcasts just talking about old CD shop chains. Oh, we we had a guy in Burnie. It was a secondhand CD store called uh, Collector's Corner, which started off on a corner and then it got too big and then moved into the middle of the street. So it was no longer on a corner, but he still retained the name Collector's Corner. <laughs> and he was such like such an asshole. He's just your standard grumpy. Like he he knew he had something that people needed. And so he didn't have to be friendly to people. And so he'd buy people's old CDs. And I had a friend, when she turned 18, she wanted to buy booze. So she went in there with a bunch, like a stack of CDs, like about 20 of them. And he said, I'll give you 20 bucks for them all. And she was like, no, they're really good. Like people really want these. And he goes, okay, I'll give you 10. (laughs) And she went, all right, I'll take 20. (laughs) It's great. He he was also the man who I went in there. I'd seen um, Pavement's... um, I think it was Shady Lane or Stereo. One of the songs where the film clip is, they don't have heads in the film clip. I don't know if okay. you know this song. Yep. I, I went I in do there. Have, I do have that DVD, but I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, every I went in there. I, I didn't write it down, but I saw it on Rage. I said, okay, it was on Rage. Is this song? And he goes, yeah, yeah, it's, it's Damn It by Blink-182. I said, no, no, I don't think it is. And he goes, that's what it is. That's what all the teenagers coming in, they want. They want that song. And I said, no. So he, he talked me into buying Blink-182's Damn It. 
And I took it home and went, this is not it. This is not what I wanted. This is like, yeah, I still liked it. But yeah, it wasn't what I wanted. Yeah, it's the Spike Jones directed one, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was just Steve Malcolm says no head. Yeah. I think I remember what you're right now. Yeah. I just remember no heads. Yeah. Hey, damn it. Is it, you know, I'm, I'm sure at the time you were furious, but I feel like, I mean, I love Blink-182 now and I, I kind of tolerated them when I was in high school, but I have a lot of love for them now. Yeah. I, no, I liked it. And it was that time, like, I didn't have that many CDs. So I was like, well, I'm going to listen to this, even if I didn't like it. We had a, um, uh, a beloved CD store in Hornsby um, that I can't remember the name of, but it went out of business. And then a new CD store, like, and they, they had like an incredible alternative section, but yep. all the CDs were like 30 bucks or more. And then a new CD shop opened up in its place um, and they bought up all of the stock from the old spot and sold it all for a dollar each. Oh, so I just, I went ape shit and just, yeah. yeah, I think I probably dropped like, you know, 50 bucks on like just every CD that I'd been wanting at this older store for yep. years. And yeah. When I moved to Launceston, there was an HMV in Launceston. Well, I think it was one of those brands. But uh, I I had a burnt copy of the Bell and Sebastian album, Fold Your Hands, Child. Mm-hmm. And I would go in there and the cover was there. and that, But they kept Bell and Sebastian in the dance section. So I'd, I'd change it back into the alternative section. And then the next time I went in there, it was back in the dance section. And so in my own mind, I justified... They don't even know what this is. They don't deserve it. And so I stole the cover so my burnt copy could have a cover. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and that was over 20 years ago. So cops, you can't get me. Oh, man. The amount of shoplifting CD stories I have from my teenage years. Yeah. Revolting. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's crack into this. So side A of volume 13. The year was 94. We're going into the, the second part of the year. And we're starting off with, I guess it's, a novelty single because it was released for comic relief, but I think it stands up on its own as a song. This is absolutely fabulous by absolutely fabulous, aka the Pet Shop Boys. Here we go. Models, guest list. Just do your best, darling. Pause that there. I don't know if it counts as karaoke, but I think I can do verbatim like every one of the sound clips in that <laughs> song still. <laughs> it's so great. I mean, I, I really like this song, but it, on paper it shouldn't work. It's like, oh, it's a, a dance song and they've got clips from a sitcom over top of it. Even even with the laugh track as well. Not even like clean, clean audio. Just They've mm. just ripped it straight from, straight from the TV. Yeah, you but hear laugh works. track in the background. and Yeah. 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 Um, well, I don't know if the clips necessarily work. There's some parts that do, um, where she keeps like repeating like "la croix sweetie" yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, but 
the beat is so good and the hook, I mean, if you can call it a hook, it is just the Pet Shop Boys lead singer singing the name of the show over yes. and over again. <laughs> but it, it, it works. It works really well. And I think you could go as far to say, that given this was a comic relief um, uh, charity single, this is the best charity song ever made. Yeah, well, I think uh, Vic Reeves and the Wonder Stuff was also for comic relief. Okay. but Which was a very good song. And then you, then you go into Mr. Blobby, which was... <laughs> A number one, but not as not as good. But this this didn't get to number one. It got to number six in the UK, uh, seven on the US Billboard Dance uh, Club charts. But in Australia, it was very successful. It got to number two, and it's the band's highest charting single and the last time they had a top ten entry in Australia. That's bonkers. I, I, I meant to look this up. Does does E17s or Pet Shop Boys version of West End Girls did that chart higher in Australia? It the. Uh, E17 one charted higher than the Pet Shop Boys one. Yes. Justice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Music Week, Alan Jones. He said that not not the Alan Jones in Sydney, uh, but the UK writer, he, he gave it five out of five and said single of the week hmm. and said, he kind of said guaranteed number one. Unfortunately, he was wrong. Um, did, did you ever watch Absolutely Fabulous as a kid? So my mum did. I, I think I, you know, caught some of it. It, it was on pretty late on ABC yeah. when I was growing up. So I think if I, if I ever like was able to push my bedtime, I caught bits and pieces of it. I didn't really get it. Yeah. Um, but this is like the peak time where uh, I wanted to be in bed early anyway because every Saturday morning I got up at like five a.m. if not earlier to watch the entire Top Fifty countdown on Rage. Yep. Um, and all these songs. You know, I would see enter the charts for the most part really, really low, and then they would get higher and higher each week. And I, I loved following that journey. I, I've, I've recently realized that I think I have ADHD, and I think part of my like love of music comes from that. The, you know, the, the gamification of watching these songs go up and down in the charts. It is interesting because I, I also follow music like sport and I follow bands like they're my team in terms of like, I'm just going to follow. Even though I don't like that album, I'm still going to buy the next one because mm. that's my team. I like them. Okay, <laughs> I want to support them. But it's so funny because I don't know now if you have that slow burn of singles. It's either it's got to be massive in the first week. Otherwise, they don't put any any well, money behind it to kind of promote it. I think now you have the unbelievably slow burn where... You know, it doesn't even need to be TikTok specific. I mean, that, that song Harlem Shake was like yeah. a random dance single that Diplo's label put out and then suddenly it went viral with that the Harlem Shake video. I think because of, the, you know, the way videos and, and other social media works now, you have these songs that suddenly appear somewhat out of nowhere that have actually been around for years beforehand, but because they were just used at the right, the right video at the right time, now they're a hit. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. Hey, we, do yeah, do you know this? Uh, this uh, absolutely fabulous. The show started off as a sketch in French and Saunders. Uh, yeah, I do know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know this. So it was called Modern Mother and Daughter. I, and, I just uh, feel like there's no, 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 no British show truly exists in a microcosm of itself. It always existed like in several other formats because of all the how many sketch shows there were in the eighties and nineties. And, and this is what I also found out that so Edina Monsoon, Edwina Monsoon, has nothing to do with. Adrian Edmondson's character, Eddie Monsoon, <laughs> even though uh, Jennifer Saunders and Adrian Edmondson are married in real life. He's like, no, we just picked a name. Just, just liked the name Monsoon. Well, Adrian Edmondson, Eddie Monsoon, s- sounds similar. And yep. so, yeah, just liked Jennifer it. Jennifer Saunders sort of, doesn't, though. Just thought it was funny, yeah. 
Um, the other thing is that in in the states, uh, absolutely fabulous. The British version didn't really take off, and people put it down to they. The reviews were like they're not likable characters. I don't know why you'd want to watch them. They don't grow either. Like they make mistakes and they just keep on making mistakes. And then flash forward seven years, and then everyone's going. Tony Soprano is the greatest character on TV, <laughs> which is for the exact same reason. Um, cool. All right. Absolutely fabulous. That was it. All right. Moving on. It's, it's a strong start. It is how, a strong how, start. How, how strong does this compilation start? Continue. I mean. Ah. Uh, well. Let's let's see. Let's see how we feel about this next song. This is oh, JX. I feel very positively. <laughs> I love this song. JX <laughs> and their track, Son of a Gun. I have no idea what she says here. A man that's on the run. Oh, is it? Okay. repeat for the three more minutes yeah that's it it's got a good uh, bit where she you know hits the high notes yeah absolutely big big song um uh one could say a huge tune and that is actually the name <laughs> of the record label that put this one out and it's spelled h-o-o-j-c-h-o-o-n maybe not the best 90s dance label but certainly the best named that's a very good label. name so jx is the alias of british producer remixer jake williams he's ca- currently uh Goes under the name Rex the Dog. That's yeah, and like that that song does not sound particularly credible, but he's now signed to Compact, which is like a very credible, beloved techno label. The, um, uh, uh, this was his first single. It did better in Australia than anywhere else in the world. And I I, I, I put that, that down to this this compilation. It goes on this I, compilation, yeah. gets more ears listening to it. So it got to number six in the UK. It only got to thirteen, which is still a very good effort. Um, I don't know. I tried to find more about this uh, JX. There's not much on there on the on the internet. You might know more really? about it than I me. Mean, yeah. well, okay, JX is other like the the biggest song that they did was um, maybe not in Australia but worldwide. Is there's nothing I won't do. Yep. Um, that got really big in the UK. There's nothing I won't do. It's pretty much exactly the same beat, but with yep. different vocals. It rules. The '90s dance was a great time. Um, I I play both these songs pretty much every '90s dance party where I play Great. where I play a set there because they just you know you only need to play one minute of them. Um, they're really really fun. They got massive energy. Yeah, um, yeah, love them. What what I do then when I can't find much about? I go to the YouTube comments. Oh, of course. And there's a and there's a lot of comments saying they don't like make music like this anymore. That's that's the big one. <laughs> like and a lot of them. I feel sorry for kids today who didn't grow up listening to this song. That, that that's on all the songs. On from the nineties on YouTube, they're the comments you'll find. But this is one I found. So there's a guy called Peter Taylor, and he's from Melbourne, Australia, and he claims that he made this hit a hit in this country because he added to the he he added the song to his radio station playlist three months before any other station had it, 
And someone underneath the comment claims, this is a lie. And Peter responded, actually, it did, mate. Don't tell me you work for the Fox Network and you're still butthurt we beat you to this by three months. So there's still people out there who are angry at the Fox Network for stealing their songs. Um, so the vocal sample is from this song is from um, uh, a group called Ecstasy, Passion and Pain with Barbara Roy. It's like a 1970s disco group. Yep. So that's um, the yeah. vocal sample because in the film clip, they've got a woman singing it. So maybe she's just miming in the film clip. Yeah, it was a pretty easy job for a like good looking woman to get in the 90s. Just mouth along to a 90s dance sample yeah. and dance around for a bit. I assume it paid well. <laughs> I don't know. Looking at how people got paid in the 90s in the music industry, I don't think they would have got paid well. But I thought she was JX, like yeah. for my most of my life. Well, that's what the film makes it look like. Yeah. yeah it's, it's all about her. All right. Let's move on. If we have to. I think this, is, this may be where the, where the CD peaks for me, but let's keep going. No, we've got one, two. We've got four more songs until it peaks. Four more. <laughs> all right. We talked about them two weeks ago. Uh, no, three weeks ago with Dave Thornton. Uh, this is some Sydney lads who came over here from New Zealand. This is the band Culture and their song, Don't Be Shy. I really want you. I really need you. I got to I got have, to have your love. I can't resist seeing on it. I love this song. I want to meet you. I got to know you. Let's spend some time. That'll do, that'll do, culture, that'll do. I think this song has aged very well. Yeah, I think these guys are like massively ahead of their time, especially when you, you know, like given how big, uh, um, you know, Australian drill um, rap is. I don't know how, how up to date with the, with the drill rap scene in Australia you are, but it's a predominantly, um, you know, Islander Australian sound in Australia. And these yeah. guys are like, yeah, like, you know, uh, mostly Samoan um, yeah. and Maori um, uh, background performers that, yeah, had a, had a couple of top 10 hits in, in, in New Zealand. Did, did we adopt them? Did they move here or are they New Zealand? Yes, they formed in Sydney. They yeah, all right. came, they all came over from, uh, Mar- uh, from New Zealand and Samoa, but that, yeah, they actually formed the band in Sydney. Yeah, I mean, like, th- this is like a... Like obviously, it's very influenced by like kind of like that post New Jack Swing R and B of the early nineties. But I think it's really good. I don't think it's like yep. embarrassing at all. I I think the production is awesome. And- I'm the same, and I'm see I'm on the Hit Machine. They're playing a lot of Take That, and I'm listening to Take That, who got number one songs. This is by far better, like even production wise as well, than what Take That were doing in the UK and getting number one singles. Yeah, I mean, look, 
two weeks from now, I'm about to hit the road with uh, the uh, the the pop group Five, and uh, like I, I got to say, I, I would much be I'd be much more excited about hitting the road with the pop group Culture. <laughs> Well, I don't know what they because they only really did this one album and then they kind of went away. So I'm not sure what was happening there. But this song got to 13 in Australia, 8 in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also was the song that he decided to kick off the Heartbreak High soundtrack to. And we talked yeah. about Heartbreak High because they used a lot of culture songs. They also used But I looked at the soundtrack and there would have been a real, a lot of people going, which one do I get? Do I get 100% hits or do I get the Heartbreak High soundtrack? Because there's so many... One, Either a way, lot of, you were winning. <laughs> one, a lot of the same songs on it, but also the same bad. So they had on the 100% hits, uh, no, on the Heartbreak High soundtrack, they had this song, The Screaming Jets, Chocolate Starfish, The Sharp, plus last week's Electric Hippies. Wait, so isn't it just like the same bands or the same songs? Uh, same songs, Electric Hippies, same song. It was like Greedy People, Screaming Jets had Helping Hand, which we've already covered. Yep. This one, Chocolate Starfish was the same as well. And The Sharp, uh, absolutely a song that they played on because they played like four songs on this compilation as well. So yeah, all the same songs. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers, they were just getting them out there, getting them yeah, out they, there. This, they had like like six of their songs on the Heartbreak High, like just like in the background, whenever they went to a, a nightclub, this song was playing. Yeah. Uh, one of the, one of the culture songs was playing. Which is a smart move because E Street was no longer on and that's where a lot of Australian artists had their songs played in the background and now that was on Heartbreak High mm-hmm. on Channel 10. A far superior show and very much in the spotlight again now. I know. I haven't seen it yet. I'm, I'm going to sit down and watch it. Although I, I My do wife feel... binged it all while I was uh, out working a couple of weekends ago and she loved it. Did she grow up watching the original? Uh, not as much as me. Yeah. So I, um, but apparently there's some cool call, callbacks that she wasn't expecting. Yeah, nice. All right. Let's move on. We've talked about these guys a lot as well. And I'm happy to talk about them again. This is Salt and Pepper and their song, Heaven and Hell... With styles. Why, why, boy? Children play, women produce, Uh kids killing kids just for the the juice. juice. Now Africa Africa. is looking for the truth, but it's gonna take a while to. like to play it all but yeah it's a great song it is great now you you know way more about hip-hop and rap than i do so i'll let you talk about the song 
and I'll just yeah, tell well, some I'm, facts about it. Yeah, go. This is like the the fourth single of. Oh God, what is this? Like album number four for something? Yeah, it's very necessary. Yeah, yeah. Is the album? Um, very Which necessary. Yeah, but yeah, it has like this is like the least popular single of the four singles. So the, I mean, the big ones are Waterman and Shoop. Yeah, um, and then None of Your Business was on there too. I think that that was one that they won. That won the Grammy. Grammy. Yeah, Grammy for you. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, this this was just I guess like a, just a solid follow up. I guess I, I did it chart. Like very uh, highly, not really highly. It was in this country. It was released as a double A side with none of your business. <laughs> I've just looked up the track listing uh, for one of the one of the Australasian CD singles. It's got Shoop on it and What a Man as well. Uh, it's got Shoop, Heaven and two different remixes of Heaven and Heaven and Hell, and then it has a song called Let's Talk About AIDS. Oh yeah, that was the one they released because they'd already released Let's Talk About Sex, and then yep. they said Let's do an actual charity thing, and then they did it. For let's talk about AIDS, raising money for AIDS awareness. Yeah, right. Another, yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of charity uh, music. Uh, this, yeah, this I mean, I, I really, there is a part of something people I do find a bit. I don't know. I some of it comes across as like pull your pants up, guys, and put a bra on, and it's I don't know if it's dated as well as they probably intended it to. I think that's. I mean. I obviously was not there at the time, but I think that's kind of why they became so popular because they they were appear even though they they were doing songs like "Let's Talk About Sex," it was that was very much like let's let's fix the youth. That yeah. Then. So I, I guess people like you know they don't see Salt and Pepper as a, as a threat, so yeah. they allow the songs to chart as highly as they did. Yeah, I mean it's also those bands like you know Arrested Development as well coming through, which was oh yeah yeah that whole just positive messages. I've uh I've I've DJed with Spinderella, um, Salt and Pepper's DJ before. Um, yeah. Very, very Christian now. <laughs> yeah, ex DJ. She's no longer in the. Oh damn! In the group, and what does they she make... do now? Podcast. <laughs> Who knows? Well, she does a lot of interviews about how she wasn't consulted for the uh, Lifetime biopic about Salt and Pepper, and she's hardly in it as well. Which is, damn. you know, she was a big component of the band. Yeah, for sure. I saw them d- do a live set at Good Vibrations many years ago. It was fine. I don't know if they played this song. Yeah, which no, kind of I, tells you how big it was. Yeah, so this was uh, so very necessary. So they had a producer who did a lot of, and it, quite controlling by the sounds of it, a guy called Herbie Azer, otherwise known as Lovebug. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, during this uh, production of Very Necessary, Pepper uh, was the one who said, "Oh no, Salt, sorry." Uh, she easily confused. She took more control. And uh, he kind of was like, no, no, I don't want to do it this way. I don't want to do it this way. And then she had a huge hits uh, with uh, her songs. And so they, I think that was the beginning of the end for Herbie the Love Bug, Azer and Salt and Pepper going, all right, you don't need me anymore. You're going in a different direction. Yeah, Love Bug, he like discovered Salt and Pepper and Kid and Play. That's kind of his yeah. big claims to fame. Yeah, well, he, he wanted them to be called, uh, their original name was called Supernature. Right. Yeah. That's pretty good too, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he, he even said that Shoop, he, he didn't like the song Shoop. said, no, nah, he wanted to be softer in their approach to things. Wow. And to yeah. think that, uh, you know, who knows what the uh, the trailer for, for Deadpool would have been <laughs> had Shoop not been, not, not been invented. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Salt and Pepper at this time have said, no, we want to be more straight. Because there was a, a great, there's a great interview, if you have time, listeners, to go and watch with them on the Arsenio Hall show. Mm-hmm. And uh, he asked them about, you know, how do you, a woman in hip hop, and it's kind of like a, a man's world, and um, one of the members sticks her big Tim's on the table. She goes, I'm, I'm all boots and lipstick. That's me. And it's like, it gets the crowd going, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
any recommendation to watch more Arsenio Hall clips oh. is, is a good one. It's such an insane error to, to revisit. I, I know. The fact that he was like so huge and then that was it. Yeah, done. that's it. Yeah. Also, he was very good in coming to America. Yes, absolutely. Not so good in coming to America too. I have not, I've not watched that. Don't, don't. If you love the first one, don't watch the second one. All right, let's move to Northern Ireland. We've talked about them so many times. Well, I mean, like, there's so many repeat acts from just last, from, from the last one, from volume 12 to volume 13. I know. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. You can tell who were on which label. You know? Yeah. And it really is, hey, you can have our big hit. Now you've got to take out our middling one. Because, yeah, last, last week you had, last, sorry, volume 12, you had Salt and Pepper, Culture, um, Chocolate Starfish, who we're going to get to a bit later. Yeah. Maybe not this week, but... Um, also, D uh, Ream as well. And D Ream, who we're about to talk about. Who now, we're batting yeah. out, yeah. So, this is Take Me Away by D Ream. You get the idea. Yeah, a shocker. I'm watching the film clip. There's a lot of uh, catch the dove and release the dove. That's all he did. Why he sounds, yeah, he, it's all. He was essentially Job. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so look, I I love the song. Things only get better. I think that is a great a great pop song. Do you know how many times that that song has charted as a single due to re-releases? Oh, well, it, it took them three goes to get it in the charts originally. Like and they, you know the main we actually met, brought up the band who uh, who are responsible for them becoming hit makers. Who's that? They went on they went on tour would take that. Oh, and, uh, that because they were the main support on that you know enormous tour. Yeah. That, immediately after that is when things can only get better. Better um, charts. Well, up. yeah, I've got so this is the eighth single that they released from their album, which is called Volume One. But they this is the thing they released things are going to get better three times. They released "You Are the Best Thing" twice, Actually four times, four Things, times. Because uh, okay, once in 1993, um, and then again at oh. the end of the year, then in 1997, and then in 2014. Well, in 97 they released it because Labor used it in their uh, like political campaign, and mm-hmm. so it got the the it back in the charts. So they released it again, or well, not in the charts, but they got in the on the radio, and so they're like, let's let's go again. But yeah, okay, bonkers. so. This was the opening track from the album Volume 1. This is what I find interesting. So they released another album uh, called World two years after, and then two years after that released a Best Of, even though they only <laughs> had two albums and they've released the singles like four times. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a, did you say this is the eighth single off that album? I guess well, I mean, if you include things only get better three times and... 
You're um, the best thing. You're the best twice. thing twice. Yeah, <laughs> but still, yeah. But I look. I, I do. I don't mind the the start of it. I understand why it would be your intro to your album. Like it's kind of that. Almost like you know, what's the gorilla song with, with um, them going? I'm coming up, I'm coming up, I'm coming. There's a there's a good build to going. All right, if this is a live show, I could see how this would work. Yep, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming. Yeah, that's Linda Duggan, by the way. Who's uh, and I think she's the most interesting thing about this song. Okay, right. Yeah, it's a it's a weird like era. This kind of like very influenced by the club scene at the time to make the least interesting music of all time. Yeah. It's it's so funny all the all these UK bands I don't know they're from Northern Ireland but like all these bands and influenced by the Hacienda, so I I would want to know if the Hacienda was this mecca that everyone talks about it was or were there nights where it was absolute dog shit and going oh, okay we're just we're just here, but like you know not many people know Son of a Gun by JX these days but if I play that in the middle of a set of nineties dance songs everyone just keeps dancing because it has such an amazing energy yeah. If I play a Do Ream song, everyone stops dancing. It is they are absolute just like dance floor killers. That's it's interesting to hear that because I yeah always think that people can only dance for three songs and then they're like, all right, we've got to. I'm exhausted now. Let's go sit down. <laughs> I would like to know. Yeah, do you ever look at the dance floor and go, all right, they're getting tired. What do I what do I pull out now? Is that is that most yeah, of your job? Yeah, you have to constantly build the energy up. A lot of people kind of a bit flummoxed when I suddenly kill a song when I've only been playing it for 30 seconds. But that kind of stuff, like, for one, it's way easier to get them to dance to more songs just to prove you wrong Yeah, <laughs> when you're doing that. But no, no, you've got to like, I don't know, you, you have to keep building energy and completely like, you know, when they think they're going to get one thing, you suddenly give them another thing. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, oh, I guess I'm going to see what happens next and keep dancing. Yeah. Hey, we're going to take a break. We'll be back after these short messages. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back. And now I think we're going to talk about a song that maybe your mum wanted. Oh, yeah. She, it, did she is, ever? Is this the one? Of course it is. Yeah, yeah. This Excellent. is the... Uh, this was inescapable at the time, uh, which is hilarious that she, you know, a song that would be played four times during the day on, on the radio station she listened to, uh, she wanted to own on CD, sing, CD as well. So, Well, it wasn't just your mum. It was big in the Earl household as well. Oh, this fantastic. was the first famous Joshua I ever knew. <laughs> this is Joshua Catterson and his song, Jesse. There are mums driving listening to this podcast. They've stopped the car now. They're Crying, bawling yeah. their eyes out. From a phone booth in Vegas, Vegas, Jessie calls at 5 a.m. To tell me how she's tired of all of them. 
Baby, I've been thinking about a trailer by the sea. We could go to Mexico, you the academy. We'll drink tequila and look for seashells. Now, doesn't that sound sweet? Oh, Jesse, you always do this every time I get back on my feet. Pictures about how it's gonna be. By now I should know better. Your dreams are never free. But tell me all about We've played so much of this song. So it takes so long to get the fucking chorus. Jesse, Jesse, you can always sell any dream to me. Alright. That's enough, Joshua. That's massive, enough. Massive song. So in the, I think it's why even do the third verse. He goes, because um, he, he he he, you know, re- has contact with Jesse again after she yep. leaves his life, and she he, she goes, she asked me how the cat's been. I say Moses, he's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is there is a bit of uh, rumor about who Jesse could be, and Joshua Catterson used to date Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, wow. And they broke up uh, not long before this song was released. And people think that Jesse is the Sarah Jessica Parker. Even Interesting. though pe- people say, no, if you know Sarah Jessica Parker, she's never been called Jesse in her life. No one calls her Jesse. And I'm like, <laughs> well, it's not that big. And also, she's never had a cat. Well, it's his cat. Or maybe he's never had it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it was So this was from the album, uh, what was it called? Painted Desert Serenade. Oh, and man, if you think that's the stupidest thing he's ever named, wait till oh, you find out what his book is called. It's incredible. Okay, we'll get to that. So this <laughs> this album, absolutely huge. So, but, so, so big. But I, I think, I, I don't know. I feel like looking at the numbers now, not really. Like, Jesse only hit number 15 in Australia, and that's the highest it charted anywhere. It went double platinum. Oh, Like, right. yeah. So I guess it wasn't a single, I don't know, yeah, but... The, the, his next single, "Beautiful in My Eyes," which I vaguely remember, yeah. that charted way higher. Yeah, and it's, to me, like if I played that, no one would know that. But no. Jesse, everyone would sing along to. Because I remember this being even an ad on TV saying you have to get the new Joshua Catterson album. This, yeah, is, of course, yeah. Um, painted, painted desert serenade. So he did this album, huge. His next album, not not huge at all. It was called Delilah, Delilah Blue. Blue, and instead of writing ballads. He decided he'd write songs that he would call sonic novels, and EMI was like, "Yeah, that's enough for us. You don't, you're not, you're no longer." But as as Levin just said, he did write a book, and his book is called 17 Ways to Eat a Mango: A Discovered Journal of Life on an Island of Miracles." It's like the most insane. It, it sounds like like a really really like long titled like anime which you find out is actually like enormous in in certain parts of the world. I want you to know, know like, if it is actually that's what the book is about or if that's just a title of and I'm sure look maybe it's a just a book of poems. I don't know. Listener if you if you've read the book, let let me know. Let me know. He also released an EP that went with it which uh was a success in Germany. Only only covered three ways to co- to eat a mango. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Germany, he still has a very loyal fan base, 
Although that may be waning due to a 2008 tour where he announced that he would no longer be forming his old songs and he's going to dedicate his time to studying studying the Banshuri, which is a seven-hole bamboo flute. And that's what his tour is going to be, just him playing the bamboo flute. That's amazing. I fucking love him. I think he's, yeah. he's got a good life. He's like openly bi. Yeah, had to shut down his uh, website when he announced it because the comments in the chat was just going crazy. So he's like, nah, we're shutting this down. If you can't be yeah. nice, we're, we're, we're not having it. Because I'm sure this, because it has, it has like a vague country twinge. So I, I imagine this song was massive in like the God-loving South. Absolutely. Like there'd be people going, oh, he's a good Christian boy. And then they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they find out that, yeah. Find out that he's, he likes to play the flute both ways. Yes. Jesse is a name that could be both a male and a female name. Oh, no. That's true. <laughs> the, um, just like, I don't know, this song, with the, how inescapable it was. And, I, you know, listening back to it, it, it sounds so manufactured. Like, he, he sounds like the voice actor that plays the prince in a Disney movie. Yeah. It also, it reminds me of Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohen. Like, it's, it, it's that kind of vibe. Butterfly Kisses. For me as well. Do you know that one? Is that Ben Harper? No, no, no. no, no. It's Steal My Kisses. Butterfly Steal Kisses, Kisses. Is, is like a god awful song from like the uh, late nineties. That's enormous in in uh, in in America. Okay. Uh, my family and I went to I went to America with my family in like nineteen ninety seven, and whenever we we drove a lot a lot of the way, and that song came on the radio like once an hour, and we kept would just listen and make fun of it. But it, it's huge at weddings when it because it's like. Like the, the the guy used to have butterfly kisses with his daughter when she was still little, and, it, and like she grows up. Oh, it's very sad. Yeah. All right. So it's All like right. you know love songs that actually tell a story, like Jesse does. See, I I love narrative rock. That's my that's my favorite. That's my favorite genre of music. I'd say like it's so why if you I, did like a like a subgenre. If you were a DJ, it'd be yeah. like. Narrative right. rock. You listen to the Hold Steady. You listen to the Menzingers. You listen to McCluskey. Here we go. We're all like Art Brute are going to get a play. Like all yeah. nine minutes of scenes from an Italian restaurant by Billy Joel. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, let's move on. This is the comeback single from Marsha Hines. This is Rain. Open brackets. Let the children play. Close brackets. This is the real mum's corner of the CD right This here. is the Levens' is hitting skip. I don't think I've listened to this song in full more than once. Does it have a hook? Should we, should we skip to the hook? I don't remember this song at all. Let's... That's all we need to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I mean, I stand, she, stand by my skip button. Yeah, she got to start in Australia 
by performance for hair when she was 16. And then she went, in, she was in Jesus uh, Christ, Christ Superstar. Superstar yeah. yeah. And so this does sound like it's a song from a musical. That's the vibe. Yeah. And also like very religious rock. She won an Aria Award for performing like the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. In the 80s. Yeah. She was a uh, queen of pop three years running when they used to do that with the uh, TV week. Used to do king and queen of pop. And our generation, I think, knows her best as being an Australian Idol judge. Exactly, yeah. So so she'd stopped performing in 84. She had a fall that year as well. And because of the fall, she found out she was diabetic, uh, didn't perform for six years, then made a comeback performance at the Sydney uh, Lesbian and Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras in 1990. And said so she felt such love from the crowd that she's like, yeah, I, I think I might come back and do some more music. And this was her comeback single uh, from her album right here and now. Unfortunately, unlike Tina Turner, this was not the big comeback success. Uh, it, this single got to 47 when it dropped and it rose up. The album got to 21. And 100% hits. 100% hits. <laughs> but like you said, yes, she's most known for being a judge on Australian Idol. Did you watch Australian Idol? Yeah, um, that certainly that first season. Yeah, you know the Guy Sebastian season. Um, like most Australians, I think that's the reason he's like the biggest star from it. Um, yeah, I think she and she was always the very kind of like the nicest one of of the judges. Yeah, but you could really tell when she didn't like a person just from her facial facial language. Yeah, because there was this one. I think it was season five or six. A girl called Rashani. Mm-hmm. Her full name's Rashani Pritis. I think she may have even been on the show as Shani. Or Sean, or something like that. But she, they had Rolling Stones week. Everyone had to sing a Rolling Stones song, and she chose the song "Wild Horses." And Marsha Hines was like, "Why did you choose that song? No one even knows that song. It's not even one of their hits." And I remember whoever was on with her as well. I don't know if it was Mark Holden or Carl Carl Sanders had taken over by that point, but they backed him up. And went, yeah, like that's not even a song. I've never even heard that song before. (laughs) What? And then three years later, Susan Boyle sang it on America's Got Talent and got the golden buzzer. And it was like, yeah, like people know fucking Wild Horses. That's a really (laughs) good... And in that show, it's a good song to sing. Yeah, I'll tell you you which Rolling Stones song people don't know. (laughs) (laughs) There's a bit of foreshadowing. Uh, But it really, like, if you're going to do Rolling Stones songs, you've got like, okay, you can't always get your want. People are going to want to do that one because it showcases a fair bit of your voice and you can get a choir singing at the start and that's a big number for thing. But I think Wild Horses, if on a singing show, shows off your range. Absolutely. I think it's a really good song to sing. Definitely. You get the harmonies going. Excellent. And do you reckon, like, if you were on uh, Australian Idol and Marsha Hines was like, nah, not for me, you could go back and listen to this song and go, what the fuck does she know? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the only one of her albums where it's all original stuff because mostly her other albums are just cover songs. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know once she got the success from Australian Idol, she released a disco the, the, album. Well, yeah. You know what it's called, right? It's What's it called? Hindsight. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it's excellent. I bet Denny's annoyed that she didn't, do, she didn't call one of her albums that. Who has like the bigger actual hit, Marsha or Denny Hines? I'd I'd say Denny with the rock melons. Although I don't know, yeah. maybe in the seventies when uh, Marsha was out, she had big songs. But I think Denny Hines with 
L O V E Love was yeah, the big definitely. song. Yeah. Big tune. Huge tune. All right. Moving on to a tune that's not so huge. This yeah, is. I was, I was definitely hitting the double skip, I think, on listens of this album during this part. This is The Rolling Stones. Arguably one of the greatest bands ever. I didn't think so when I was a, ch- a child because of this song. I just was like, oh, I don't like those. I don't like the Rolling Stones, I guess. And this is their song, Love is Strong, from their album Voodoo Lounge. It doesn't go anywhere else. There we go. I remember this album, Voodoo Lounge, was like everywhere. I love yeah. the, uh, the the uh, the uh, cover art is excellent, but um, I've not gone back to this album after hearing this and the other single around the time you got me rocking. Yeah, they that just, was the other it, one. just it, it sounds like a like what someone thinks the Rolling Stones sounds like without actually listening to their back. Well, catalog. apparently this is still in their sets today, but I would say it's in their sets so they have a bit of a breather. Yeah, it's such a boring piece of shit. Yeah, but I also remember Voodoo Lounge being huge because I remember them being on Beverly Hills 90210. I remember the gang. Uh, the gang all went to a Rolling Stones concert. They didn't play at Peach Pit After Dark like the Flavor Mips did. <laughs> um, so this is uh, penned by Keith Richards. Originally it was called Love is Strange and there's a whole bunch of bootlegs where uh, Keith and Ronnie Wood are singing Love is Strange. He saw the light. Yeah, it was the lowest charting first single ever by the band. And uh, the album was the first one they had without Bill Wyman on it. And I know he's not on the song, but listen, I do I do love a fact. And I, I, any excuse to bring up this fact about Bill Wyman. Do you know this about Bill Wyman? I don't, I'm not, I don't know many Bill Wyman stats, so not Okay, so in 1993, Wyman's son, Stephen Wyman, married Patsy Smith who was the 46-year-old mother of Bill's ex-wife, Mandy Smith. So Stephen was 30 at the time. Therefore, Bill Wyman became the father-in-law of his ex-mother-in-law, as well as the step-grandfather of his former wife. <laughs> so the family tree is like an Escher drawing. It's like That's it just excellent. keeps going round and around and around. Is that why he left the Stones? To try and work uh, that shit out? Look, he, he left... They don't actually say why he left, uh, but look, he he was a bad guy, uh, you know, falling in love with girls at fourteen and mm-hmm. marrying them when they were eighteen. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it, look, I know all of the Rolling Stones. I'm sure have stories of them not being the greatest of guys. Like Mick Jagger used to boast about having sex with over four thousand women. Yep. He also... His love is strong after all. Yeah, and strange because he... uh, Keith Richards told him to go and see a sex therapist. And so he went and saw a sex therapist and then ended up having sex with the therapist. (laughs) That's that's not good. 
Um, oh, and you know, so it does sound a little bit different how he sings this song. Apparently, he sings it like this because he they were playing harmonica on it and they had it mics up for the harmonica and he just sang as they were rehearsing through that microphone and they liked the sound of it. So, yeah, let's let's use that microphone to sing the song. So that's why it sounds a bit deeper. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the best thing about Voodoo Lounge is that uh, just to, you know, say what, we, what the music industry was like in 1994 and five when it came out, uh, there's an interactive CD-ROM called yeah. Rolling Stones Voodoo Lounge CD-ROM. That was released in 1995 to mixed reception. <laughs> what can you do? What was the interaction? Interaction because I know uh, Billy Idol tried an interactive CD uh, with his album the year before. That everyone was like, "This is no good." This well, is I shit. found a secondhand version of it. Uh, you can buy for nineteen dollars ninety two on eBay. Fifteen bucks. I found. Oh no, that's just the uh, that's just a CD. Uh, you got a couple five extra bucks for the for the CD ROM. An extra hundred bucks for a oh my God, disc it, drive it, that can actually play it. Well, it's yeah. described as a point-and-click adventure game. Oh. The player wanders around the Voodoo Lounge to solve mysteries and even meets the Rolling Stones in mysterious circumstances. It's Leisure Suit Larry for the Rolling Stones. This looks kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I reckon it'll be on YouTube. I reckon you could look hey, it I up. I just found it. My, my yeah. love for, for 90s CD-ROMs is strong. Great. Hey, do you know, the Rolling Stones, huge band, huge band. This is not no. their best work. But when they debuted in Texas, also had a bit of a rough time. So their first gig in Texas was at some like big county fair kind of thing. And they had to follow a performance by some trained monkeys. Right. And the crowd loved the monkeys. The Rolling Stones came out, got boobed and were replaced straight away. They just left the stage and the monkeys came back out to perform more and the crowd went crazy. Go monkeys. The monkeys, yeah. All right. I think that's all we need to say about the, the Rolling Stones and this song. Not their I mean, best I mean, work. Surely one of their worst singles. But I, haven't, I mean, that's it. I haven't heard anything else past this point. So maybe they got worse as they put out more albums. I, yeah, I, I would say they haven't been great. I mean, you know, but that's understandable. You can't be amazing for 50 years. Yeah, exactly. It's just not going to work. Uh, but do go and listen to Exile on Main Street. Listen, to the, I think they've got a run of six albums, which are all fantastic. So go yep. listen to that. Voodoo Lounge, not one of them. All right, our last song. We've talked about them lots. This is the first single from their follow-up to This Is The Sharp. This is from their album Sonic Tripod. And this is the song Alone Like Me. Not to get too ahead of like my like obviously like you've got next week's episode to 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 cover all of the the second half of this, but there's some pretty strong rock songs in the second half. But I think this is my favorite rock song on this album. 
I agree. Yeah. I think this is a really good song and kind of like this forgotten gem that happened. And I think mainly, I think I've talked about this as well, that the late show kind of made them almost like a joke band when they did Skivvies Are Back. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, So this is like Sonic Tripod. They talk about that. Like there's some good stuff on there, but it's a long album. It's like 15 tracks, which is, you know, don't need that many. Hmm. Just make it ten people. Yeah, people power, power pop records. Just you know, just yep. Whatever. Uh, I th- look. It starts off sounding like it's the Stooges, which sure. not a, not a bad thing. Worked for Jet. They did well <laughs> out of it. Uh, so they broke up a year after this album was released, though, mainly from exhaustion. They said. <laughs> I listened to a podcast. Uh, I'll give it a shout. The Champagne Comedy Podcast, all about the Late Show and the Degeneration, and wow. they had an interview with the drummer. Uh, and talking about skivvies are back, and he said, "Yeah, they they thought it was really funny. They actually they were actually they loved the show and to be a part of it. They're like, oh, it's, it's fine." And he even said that he thinks that things are certain wooden Frente copped it worse than they did. Yeah, Frente copped it the worst. It's 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 actually like brutal going back and watching that now, especially like these guys were like like there's like one degree of separation from. I feel like there's like. Musicians and and comedians, people that they interact a lot more now than they would have back then. Yeah, it's like I swear that like you know Angie would have been like you know recording a song in like the next studio over, you know like she's probably in earshot when they made that sketch. It feels like unnecessarily well, harsh. Well, the, the sharp said that they saw Jane Kennedy from the Late Show a couple of weeks later, and she was like, "Oh, do you guys hate us?" And they're like, "No, no, we love it. It's fun. It's funny. Like, yeah, it's it's really good. Like, it's really clever. Like, yeah." Keep going, but he suggested, and I think this would be a great thing, doing a gig now, one of those you know nostalgia gigs with the Sharp, Frente, and Things of Stone and Wood. I'd go, <laughs> and then have the Late Show people come on and do the co- do the parodies of them <laughs> as well, which that would be amazing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, very niche. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he said as well they they broke up, uh, and he said it wasn't because they didn't like playing with the band they just were exhausted they said they did 321 gigs in a year that's God, that's yeah. too many gigs it only gives you like 40 days off 45 days off they were, they were the blunt by the end of the year yeah <laughs> it's not a good joke sorry <laughs> I like the last it. one i got i look i i think this is a really good song i think if i if you just play me this and said oh it's a song by snout i'd go oh yeah cool or even like a rat cat. Yeah. But yeah. I think because it's like the sharp, I bring my own kind of baggage and go, oh, they were a bit of a joke, weren't they? But that's, they weren't. It was just the late show made me think that. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go through this. That's the end of the first half. Let's go through and see how many hits are on this. Okay. Absolutely fabulous. Hit or not hit? Hit. hit. Son of a Gun by JX. Hit. Don't Be Shy by Culture. Uh, like, it's a hit for me. I think it's a it's a it's a forgotten hit. 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 Heaven and Hell by Salt and Pepper. Hit. Now we Take Me Away by D Ream. Shit. <laughs> Jesse Joshua Catterson. Hit. Rain. Let the children play. Hit. No. Oh, wait, yeah, no. no. Shit. Shit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was going <laughs> to say only one letter difference. I was going to fuck it up. <laughs> Love is strong by the Rolling Stones. Shit. And Alone Like Me by the Sharp. Hit. We have got six. Six out of nine. That's- that's solid. Like that is yeah. a good yeah. 
And then the second half of this of this one is pretty good too. I I I know I just said that like the sharps were my favorite rock song on here, but there's three extremely popular rock songs oh. in that second half that I think have like aged really well. Uh, and a very like you know like if you're gonna choose like a rock any rock, like three rock songs from this year, those are probably three of the big biggest and best ones. Uh, and then there's even like I got I got a bit of love for Francis Donnery, so I, I kind of I'm, I'm a bit 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 upset that I get to talk about it with him. America in the summertime, yeah, <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> it starts off funny. So, also next week we've got uh, the first uh, Green Day song we'll be talking about. Yeah, so that was this. Uh, this is a rare. Um, Instance of 100% hits having a uh, coarse language, explicit language warning sticker on the front of it. And my mum and dad had doubts of this being the one that I should get. And uh, yeah, I, I loved listening to Longview uh, oh. for that reason. It had the swearing. And even I think Screaming Jets says shit on their one too. Because the best thing about 100% hits is you unfold that cover art and you have all the lyrics. All I remember <laughs> back in the day of buying CDs and not having a Discman and driving home or getting the like public transport home and just reading the lyrics going, I wonder what this song sounds like. These, I love these <laughs> lyrics. Hey, thanks so much for doing this, Levins. Uh, tell the Anytime. people where they can find you. Uh, I'm hitting, hitting the road with five and S2S, sister to sister, uh, about, you know, uh, just under a decade too late for, for 100% hits. Or maybe, did it, did it, does it keep going? I actually don't know when. Goes, up to, two th- goes up to 2007. Oh, and then, then, yeah, for sure. Later, then, later era, 100% hits. The and then era. after that, after that, it goes into just best odds for the year. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I won, I'm, I'm, I, unfortunately, I can't just Google 100% hits five because no. that'll take me to volume five. But yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure five appear later on uh, yeah. in these compilation series. But yeah, I'm, 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 I'm the tour DJ for five and S2S. Uh, do you remember them? The, uh, Fun. They did My Sister and um, What's a Girl to Do. I think we're going to talk about them later on. Excellent. Very exciting. But I'm, I'm more excited for... I, I should stop talking shit on the band I'm about to DJ for. But uh, look, I, I, I almost got into a fight with them last time I toured with them because there's only three members of five now. Uh. <laughs> and uh, when we were on the bus, I was on the tour. It was like S Club 7 and 5, except there's only three people left in S Club 7 and uh, three people left in five and the tour manager is on the bus and she go, yells out are we missing anyone and i say yeah two members of five and four members of s club seven and like everyone just fucking shot daggers at me and the the, the lead dude from five was like oh ha 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 um like we haven't heard that one before um by the way heard your dj set last night it was shit oh. <laughs> So not everybody then, got up. Okay. Yeah, no, he, he just scowled at me for a, a, like about a week. And then at the end, he was like, I hope you don't think I hate you. And like, yeah. <laughs> so I think we're good unless he hears this podcast, but whatever. Looking forward to playing with Five again. Five, if you do listen to the podcast, come on. I'll have you all on. Sign up for Josh's Patreon. Is yeah, abs, I think um, is Will abs and Charlie. Was that no, Ab's sadly not in Five anymore. Oh, okay. He was. Yeah. Um, I, I think Will and Charlie, are, uh, Charlie is a huge Closet Five fan. So uh, maybe I should convince them to do an Australian comedy podcast run. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be fun. Hey, uh, make sure you check out Levin's then. Uh, everyone, thank you for supporting the Patreon. If you're not on the Patreon but you want to hear Pod Machine, which is all the songs from Hit Machine, go to patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. Every single week a new episode comes out. Also, if you're in Sydney, I'm doing a live show at the Vanguard on the November 20th of Don't You Know Who I Am, followed by Josh L Talks. And if you listen to this... Oh, no. It comes out the week after. 
Hey, uh, we would have had a gr- we had a great time in Melbourne. Thanks everyone for coming to the retreat. That's what I was going to say. Hey, I'll see you next time. Bye everyone. See you later. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.